as ministers, and uh, we're thankful for Ted and Crystal Abbott, and we're glad that they're here and uh, excited about what God's doing in their life, and we want Brother Ted to come. He's going to speak to us today out of Ephesians, and we're going to be continuing our Master's, Masterpiece in Progress series. Amen. Everybody say, God bless Brother Abbott. God bless Brother Thank you all for such a warm welcome, Pastor. I appreciate the opportunity greatly for your trust in me to come before everyone and minister the word of the Lord tonight. I'm going to read just a few verses and then I'm going to let you guys go ahead and be seated uh, because we'll hang on to our hats and see what God's got for us tonight. Okay? We're going to start with verse 22 in Ephesians chapter 5. And no, I am not going to pick on ladies or men tonight, okay? So starting with verse 22, it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Join me in prayer right now. God, we come before you, your humble servants tonight. Lord, we want to be ministered by your word. And God, we want you just to give me the words that I need tonight. And God, I want to give you the glory and honor for what you're doing in this place. God, I could not do this on my own. I need your help and I need your assistance. And I give you praise, honor, and glory for what you're doing here in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This is an interesting topic because we're dealing with relationships and we're dealing with submission and we're dealing with some things that we don't necessarily like to talk about out in public. But I would like to bring just a thought. We're talking about masterpiece in progress. Now an artist usually starts their painting or they start their work of art and they have to have a beginning point where they get just have an idea and they put it down on paper and then they begin to build off of that idea and as the idea continues to expand and they get some more information and more knowledge of what they're actually going for it continues to expand and expand until they have a finished product that they're pleased with well I'd like to tell you tonight being a masterpiece in progress myself I know God is not finished with me yet God is not finished with any of us yet. We are all still works in progress until the day he calls us home. I want to tell you a story. It's kind of a lengthy story, but hopefully I'll be able to hit the key points here. I don't want to keep you guys all night and bore everybody with the story. But 29 years ago, yes, I know it seems like a long time for some of you younger folks, but this was 1990 to be exact. A 14-year-old boy stumbled across a 15-year-old girl that was weeping profusely. Yes, she was weeping profusely. She was a complete emotional train wreck. Now, I know that none of us here have ever experienced emotional turmoil to this point in our lives, especially when we're 15 years old. Yes, I know I'm preaching to the choir right now. But... This boy 
was interested to know what could have been so possibly bad that it could have this girl just an emotional disaster. And he was curious. So he tried to strike up a conversation. Well, of course, this girl feels, wait a minute, this guy sees me crying. He's just trying to hit on me. I don't want anything to do with this guy. So she tries to dismiss him, and him being a persistent young man decided to keep after it and keep asking questions, trying to get to the bottom of what was going on to cause this kind of emotional disturbance. Finally, the young girl said, okay, I'll give you a chance. I'll talk to you. We'll sit here and we'll have a conversation. Well, as time went on, a couple of hours had passed and they were still having a nice conversation. There was no interests being thrown back and forth between the boy and the girl. And it stayed like that for quite some time. As some of you, our younger generation would say, the guy was friend-zoned. Which was fine, because the guy didn't really have any ulterior motives to what was going on. He wanted just to be friends with this young girl. Fast forward about five years. Young boy is getting ready to graduate. So he's turning into a young man, a young adult, getting ready to go out on his own. But he had lost touch with the young woman. The young woman moved away. And he had no idea what happened. But being a resilient young man, he continued on in his life and he decided he was going to march on. This young man joined the United States military and he started his travels all over the country. And, you know, he would go here and he would go there and then he would come back home and he would come back to his regular job. And all the while he just wondered, what in the world happened to the young woman that I cared so much for five years ago? Another couple of years pass and the young woman is curious about what's going on with the young man. So she calls him out of the blue. The young man is confused. He really didn't know who it was that was calling him. So he decided that he would just keep pushing it off. Trying to figure out who is this that keeps calling me. Little did they know that almost a year later, that young man and that young woman would become a couple. And they would get married. And they would start a family together. Now, this is the sad part of this story, but I don't want you guys to feel bad about this young man and this young woman, okay? So, this young man and this young woman, they get married, they're a new family, and they're starting life together. They decide to start life together, but they start it without God in their life. So, they're kind of just doing their own thing. They're going their own way. They're trying to do things on their own. They don't really have a clear-cut guideline of what they're supposed to do. So this young man and this young woman, they continue on down the same path for many years. And then one fateful day, this man and this woman and their family decided to walk through the doors of a United Pentecostal Church. 
This man was suffering from severe alcoholism. This woman was doing everything she could to try to keep their family together. Don't get sad on me. I see your looks. Don't get sad. This is not a sad story, okay? Because this story hasn't finished being wrote yet. So, they decide that they're going to give church a try and see what God has in store for their lives. Which is really what this passage is all about that I read from you in Ephesians. This is the cooperation that it requires in order for us to move forward and be successful in the kingdom of God. Ladies, nowhere in here does it say that you need to be subservient to your husband. And men, nowhere in here does it say we need to be domineering over our wives. If you read this particular little section of Scripture, this is about cooperation. This is about understanding. This is about getting along. This is about helping one another. A man should be grateful that God found him a perfect wife. That's what it's in the scripture. It's paraphrased, of course. It's not exact. Well, sorry. But in the grand scheme of things, we have to be in cooperation with one another in order to have a successful marriage and a successful relationship. Right. We can't just keep stumbling along trying to do what we think is right. And we're going to struggle. And we're going to fall. And we're, going to, we're not going to even come close to what God has in store for us. But all the while, God's sitting back and He's just, I'm watching. I'm waiting. I want you to get on board with my program for your life. So, Back to the man and the woman, they finally decided they, they're going to get on board with what God has for their life. Yeah. And they start showing up to services and they start becoming faithful and they become available to the kingdom of God. Right. They start letting God work on his masterpiece, they start letting God write things to their life and help them when they're having tough times or give them the ability to communicate with one another when things get rough. Yeah. You know, the most powerful scripture in this whole thing is husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Right. What a high responsibility. Right. God loved each and every one of us so much that He took the form of Jesus Christ and went to the cross for us. Man, that is a... That is a thing to try to keep up with. But you know what? If you truly care for your spouse and you care for your wife in that manner, you will be willing to give up your life for her. You'll be willing to do whatever it takes to take care of your family. As long as you stay within the Word of God and you let Jesus begin to continue that masterpiece that He started while you were in the womb. You know, if we 
skip just a little bit. We're going to go to, I lost my place. Uh, no. I'll come back to it. It's all right. So, oh, that's where I was going. It just popped into my head. Thank you, Jesus. So, I want to jump a little forward. I want to go into chapter 6. I know I didn't finish chapter 5 all the way. But, you know, I think the key to chapter 5 here ladies and gentlemen, is the cooperation that it requires to have a successful relationship. And not only is that a re successful relationship is not just between the man and the woman, but when you throw God into that equation, right. you never know what's going to happen in your life. Just like that man and woman that are confused about all these wonderful things that are going on in their life and they just don't understand. They need somebody to tell them. Somebody to teach them. Somebody to help them understand what is really going on with me. You know, and Paul says it here in verse 32. He says, this is a great mystery. He's speaking of the relationship between man and woman. He says, this is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. He's giving us probably the most profound statement in all of Ephesians chapter 5 by saying, I don't understand what it requires to make a man and woman's relationship work. I just don't. But I do know what Christ wanted to do for the church. And these things I fully understand. And I want to tell you that God is here to help you and strengthen that relationship because God cares for His church. And we're all members of the church. And then he finishes off in verse 33. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Now, going back to this young man and this young woman, it had been some time while they were in church, and the young man was just confused as all anybody could possibly be about how things were happening and how things were working and he tried to wrap his head around it and he tried to do everything that he could in his worldly thinking to understand it. Amen. Then one day he happened to walk into a room and he heard his wife praying profusely <coughs> asking God to open her understanding so that she could be assistance to her husband. Man, what a powerful moment in that young man's life. He had no idea that that was his wife's prayer. He had no idea that she was keeping herself shut up in a small space and just praying and praying and praying and praying and asking God to please help my relationship, please help my husband, please help my family, please help my children. That began to open the young man's understanding just a little bit. And he was taken aback. He was confused. 
still on why his wife would not speak to him about what was going on and why she wanted to pray and pray and pray and just turn it over to God. See, the young lady was sold out and the young man wasn't quite ready yet. Fast forward a few months down the road. Young man had an epiphany one day, I guess you would say. He was speaking with one of his friends and they were talking about baptism. And the friend says to the young man, he's like, I think it's okay if you get baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. The young man said, no, no, it's not okay. And his friend kind of looked at him and said, are you sure? And the young man says, yeah. You know, Acts 2.38 says we need to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins. And you'll be, you shall be granted the gift of the Holy Ghost. And his friend countered and said, no. What about Matthew? Like, wait, 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 wait. We're, we're getting too far into this. You know, we decided to be here at this church and the pastor and the elders and everyone here say we need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. But you're telling me that it's okay if we get baptized the other way. You don't see a big deal in it. That was the day the young man made up his mind and decided that he needed to make a drastic change in his life. Because as we move into chapter 6, it starts off, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. See, this young man had been probably what you would consider less than an ideal father. He was always prone to angering his children. He was always prone to kind of poke the bear and say, what are you going to do about it? We all go through these moments where it seems like life comes at us and it pushes our buttons and says, well, what are you going to do about it? Well, after this young man has been spending some time in the church and listening to what his pastor had to tell him and listening to the elders of the church, he said, you know what? I need to change the way I'm doing things. And he did. Yes, hallelujah. And his understanding began to open more in concern with his children. And he decided that, you know, I can be firm, I can be fair, and I can still be friendly with you. It doesn't always have to be my way or the highway. It doesn't always have to be, you're going to do what I say when I say it. He decided willfully let his children start making some decisions. 
And it hasn't backfired for the young man as of yet. Thank you, Pastor. But you know, like I said, it's not a sad story. It's not a story that's been ended yet. Because that man stands before you today as one of the licensed ministers of our church underneath a pastor that cares about our souls, that cares about the touch of the community, that cares about God being in the house with us each and every time we come in here. You know, we had such a wonderful time at men's conference this last weekend. There was some great things that happened. Yes, we have to go the miracle mile, ladies and gentlemen. This includes with our children. Your children will take you to the limit. They will push your buttons. They will look at you and go, what are you going to do about it? But you know what? It tells us right here that we need to instruct them in the ways of God and make sure that they're in reverence of the Lord and make sure that they understand whatever they do, they should be doing it for the glory of God and not for the glory of themselves. Right. You know, I, I get tickled every, every Sunday that my son's up here playing the drums. I, I just it, it makes me a little giddy inside to watch him put his talent into the church and not be concerned with what's going on outside in the world. He would rather be here with all of us And you know, I know he didn't come to that conclusion on his own. Myself and my wife have really changed our lives in the last five years. It hasn't always been easy. And it's been a challenge to get our children to come on board with our life. To not hold our past over our head. And say, well, you guys didn't do that, you know, ten years ago. Well, no, we didn't do that 10 years ago. Why? Because God's been working on our life. God's been painting His masterpiece. God's been molding us to shape us for our future. And He doesn't care what we did back then. He's worried about what we're doing right now. He's worried about what we're going to continue to do. And He wants us to look to glory. He doesn't want us to keep living back here. Well, let me tell you, church, that it's not easy to get your older children to understand if you're new to church. I will say that it has been quite a battle with our older children. But that's okay. Because you know what? I am going to keep trusting God. And I'm going to continue to stand on God's Word. And my prodigals are going to come home. And they're going to enjoy all the blessings that each one of us get when we just take that time to listen and follow the Lord. Continuing on in verse 5 of chapter 6, it says, Servants, 
Be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. I want to change this just a little bit for our understanding today. Instead of servants, let's put employees. Be obedient to them that are your bosses according to the flesh. I know that some of us here have different positions, but I'll come back to that. Verse 6 says, Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free, and ye masters do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. You know, Paul tells us right here, in, he's, he wants us to, whether we're the master or we're the servant, employee or the boss, carry God with you into what you're doing. You know, respect the position of authority that that man has over you. And do what you need to do in order to be in the will of God and still accomplish your job. I know this is a big stretch of topics in this one little section of Scripture. But it all ties together. You know, husbands and wives. You're a cooperation. You're cooperative. You're one flesh. You should be working in the will of God. And then when you have children, you bring your children underneath that umbrella and you instruct them how to work for the will of God in their life. Right. And then we can carry it over into our regular jobs. Yeah. And we can continue to conduct the will of God in our workplace, showing others that, hey, I'm not the same as everybody else around here. I'm going to work hard because God gave me a talent and gave me the ability to do what I need to do in order to succeed in my job. Right. And you know, your bosses, they're going to recognize that and they're going to be like, man, I wish I had five more of you. Because we need people to take the time to do the job properly. Right. And we need people that care. And we need people that are going to show that drive and the passion that it needs in order to succeed. Yeah. And you know, I... This whole section of Scripture, I think, is easy to kind of sum it up. You know, if we take into account what God has given us, and we put forth the same kind of effort into our daily lives, God is going to continue to bless us. And God's going to continue to help us grow and get closer to Him. He's going to continue to work on His masterpiece. He's going to mold us to the way that He wants us. As long as we're willing to say, God, I want to take Your Word, and I want to take the instructions that You give me, and I want to put it on my life, and I want to use it in order to glorify Your kingdom. This has nothing to do with me. This has nothing to do with any of us sitting here. This is all about the kingdom. Granted, we need all of you. We can't do this on our own. We need the cooperation. We need the, we need the group 
to help us be better. Yes, man. If we just put all this on Pastor, it would he would probably be gray like me. We're bald like Josh. <laughs> I don't think he could do it all by himself. He depends on all of us yes. to go out and use our witness yes. for the good Amen. of the kingdom. Right. It's not for the good of Brother Ted. It's not for the good of Sister Crystal. This is for the good of God. Yes. Because the more that we can tell people, you know, I used to be kind of messed up. But now, I have God in my life and I'm able to move forward. And I'm able to be better. And I don't need to be the same person that I was because now I'm different. Yes. As we go ahead and come to the music, I'm going to go ahead and close. I know that submission, relationships, they're all tricky subjects. They really are. And they're not popular topics of discussion. But you know, when we really allow God to start writing on our life, and we allow Him to mold us the way that He wants to, and we start becoming obedient to His Word, and we start becoming servants to His house, the sky is the limit, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Glory is right around the corner. Jesus tells us that He's coming back soon. And with all the mess that's going on in the world, it's pretty apparent. It's not going to be much longer. I'm not saying that it's going to be easy. Being molded and shaped and bent and twisted and turned and made into something that you're not used to is a hard process. There's some pieces that fall off that you have to pick back up. There's some things that might be in the wrong spot and you have to figure out how to get it back to the top. And when you're away from God and you leave Him down here instead of at the head of your life, there's things that just won't fall into place. They won't make sense. They won't work. But the second that you elevate God back to His rightful spot, and you say, Lord, I want Your will on my life. I want Your blessings. I want to be faithful to Your kingdom. I want to serve You, God. Oh my. Did the pieces start shifting did the blessings start pouring out on your life? The promotions come. The money comes. Oh boy. I can keep going on and on. But the important part is, is that we have to make God the head of it all. Without Jesus, we're all just wandering around aimlessly. We really need Him to guide us. Will you stand with me tonight? I'd like to ask each one of you to look at your personal relationships and your work relationships this week. 
I know sometimes we get caught up in life and we don't think about what's really going on around us. And we take a little extra time to work on that relationship that might be broken. Work on making better connections with your spouse. Work on making better connections with your children. Sit down and have a conversation with them. I didn't do this. <laughs> this was hard for me to show that, you know, I'm not a perfect person. I don't have it figured out. I've made extreme mistakes with my kids. But I want to make it better and I want to make it right. And I want them to see how important it is to put God at the center of it all. I'll continue to pray for my wife. I'll continue to pray for my children. I'll continue to pray that they'll understand how important that God really is in our life. I want to open this place up today as an altar. The whole building. I know that it's tricky to come to the front sometimes, but if you feel if you feel the call to come up here and pray, I just want you to continue to keep your family in prayer, your unsaved family members. Keep praying for them. They'll come back to the church, or they'll come to they'll come to God. You just have to keep praying. You have to keep asking God, please, please God, show them what they're missing. Give them the understanding that you gave me. Help them become better with you.